Hey, what's up? It's Cole, Janine's producer on the podcast. Welcome to the Janine Hernandez experience. It's time to get inspired, step into your purpose, and create a life worth living. Enjoy the show. for joining me on another episode of the Janine Hernandez Experience Podcast. As you all know, we are seasons-based, and on this season, we are featuring survivors of narcissistic abuse, hence why the title is called Survivors. Um, So for this episode, I actually have one of TikTok's influencers, Mr. Ashton, and uh, he has been, you know, I've actually been following him for quite some time. He's been helping a lot of people in the narcissistic, you know, uh, community or, you know, survivors of narcissistic abuse community. And um, I definitely just had to have him hop onto this uh, podcast and share his story and how he has so much knowledge on this. Um, So please introduce yourself, let everyone know a little bit about you. Uh, thank you. Uh, first of all, it's an honor to be uh, put on this podcast and it's an honor for you to think about me that way. Uh, but as she already introduced me as uh, Ashton, my full name is Ashton Taylor. Uh, you can definitely look up on me at AshtonFishal96 on TikTok. That is where I give all my uh, introspect and my perspective when it comes down to narcissistic abuse and toxic relationships as well. Uh, you can also follow me on Instagram there on AshtonFishal. Uh, <laughs> Ashfisher underscore 14. And as well, whenever it comes down to it, uh, just be sure to send me a DM anytime, whenever it comes down to your story. If you have any type of story that you just want to get off your chest, any question that you want to uh, uh, clarify as far as what you want to know when it comes down to narcissism, abuse, and toxic relationships, it it's just a click away, just a couple texts away. And I'll respond the best way I know how to. So I thank you so much for that. And I I feel like it was so important to bring you on because in reality, uh, we tend to see a lot of women that speak up about narcissistic abuse on TikTok. Um, I don't see a lot of males. And even on Instagram, the more that I speak up, um, I get men in my DMs. They don't ever really go on my comments, but they'll go in my DMs and they'll DM me about, hey, I went through that but I can't share because, you know, society deems us as weak. If we share, we show that we have feelings or that we were also, you know, in a abusive relationship. So I commend you for what you're doing and speaking up and helping people, leading them to their healing when it comes to narcissistic abuse. Because like I said, I very rarely see males. um, I know that there are some on TikTok that will talk about it, but most of the time it's women and women that are speaking up about it and verbal abuse and all of this stuff so I think it's super cool that you're on there sharing your story kind of kind of walk us through how did you even get into this space of sharing it on TikTok have you been in a narcissistic abusive relationship oh man oh gosh <laughs> um well as far as what you end up saying as far as uh, men opening up uh it we are in a society where that's usually where it does start up um but slowly but surely men have started coming forward when it comes down to uh, toxic relationships or understanding what we call the game. Uh, understanding the game of how things are played out is very important. And it may sound silly. It may sound a little bit childish as far as when it comes down to dealing with relationships. But you have to understand the red flags. You have to understand certain dynamics of what it comes to women approaching men and men approaching women. And so as far as opening up, it is very difficult for a man to do that because the way that the judicial, uh, excuse me, the judicial system is when it comes down to men, it's not in our favor. And so with us trying to speak out is very difficult. Uh, and so with uh, a lot of people, in this case, mental illness is one of the uh, other influences on TikTok, uh, who is a self-aware narcissist. He also tries to bring out what flaws that he has had and what made him the way he is. Yeah. And so it kind of also opens up a pathway to do so. 
And then there's another person <laughs> that people are following. His name is Kevin Samuels. And so his content uh, is more abrasive, but it also speaks the truth about what most men are trying to uh, understand as far as what is going on with the dynamic of a relationship. And speaking of relationships, I was in a narcissistic uh, relationship for three years. Wow. And Yeah. And okay, so you were in a relationship for three years. Did you, when did you know that this was turning for the worst and you started to see the red flags? After the first year, uh, this relationship happened at, the, at my senior year of college when uh, everything was going smoothly. I had everything going. I already had everything built up as far as my graphic design business, as far as me graduating, getting my degree. And of course, she came along and everything was working really well. And when uh, I started to get everything together and start to graduate, we started moving back to our hometown because we're both originally from the same hometown. And so everything was still going well, got myself a good job in a matter of five, six months. And I was starting to get the money, got my dream car. And all of a sudden I was moving up toward a house and the person in me wanted her to be a part of that. And it was slowly working, but however, once time kind of took advantage of it, I started seeing a lot more of the true self. There were some there beforehand during the first year, mainly because of the fact of how things started out. And the way things started out didn't really go as planned because after all, we were trying to get adjusted to uh, the relationship. There was one of the other exes that I dealt with beforehand. And she was also kind of part of a toxic relationship, but that was my freshman year of college. When uh, we came across her, she started being very, you know, petty, started being, started starting up stuff. And that rubbed my ex narc the wrong way. And so she, ever since then, she kind of kept bringing it up, kind of kept doing this, kind of kept poking at it to the point where, okay, enough is enough. If you are having such a big issue, then yeah, just dip out. And that was the beginning stage. I wasn't really attached to it as that. So I didn't have any problem with doing so. So she acted right for a couple of months. And all of a sudden, another one of my female friends got uh, the word about it, and she started kind of acting differently. And this is one of the other friends that I was cool with way before I met my ex-Nart. And so that started creating a big-time rift. And that's when I slowly said, okay, uh, I did not know really how to uh, handle that situation because I've never been in it before with a female uh, dynamic with somebody else kind of gets jealous that way because most of the time I stay to myself. I don't really publicize the relationship like that. And if it happens, it happens. And so afterwards, uh, she kept bringing it up as far as like, I don't know why you're being friends with this person. I don't know why this and that. Uh, I, I know how uh, females work. And she was saying all sorts of stuff as far as to try to get me to uh, pull back a lot of the friendship between myself and the female friend. And so when uh, time passed, I was actually coming close to do so. And I won't lie, uh, accountability is one of the main things when it comes down to a uh, narcissistic relationship because narcissists will never take accountability for that. But however, us as empaths or us as good people, we also have to take ourselves when it comes down to accountability. I let this happen. I let this drag on. And I wasn't in the right mindset in order to uh, break free from it. And that's what most people have to understand is like, okay, I got to understand that this is not good for me. I can't keep doing this to myself. But continuing forth, when uh, it started getting very intense to the point where we started getting the screaming matches, and I and I'm not the type to really just start screaming and get into it, but it was so bad that she would not. She kept pestering me. She wouldn't drop it. She wouldn't leave me alone to the point where uh, an empath would go supernova, and that's what she wanted. She wanted me to lash out. She wanted me to react that way, so that way she can control my emotions. And it got to the so bad to the point where. Uh, I started actually going by like leaving the, the apartment that I was staying in and hanging out with some of my female friends uh, just to kind of you know, let go and relax. Didn't do anything bad, uh, but it was it made it sound bad regardless of how it was. And that's what I take accountability for. Shouldn't have put myself in that position because later on she used that as fuel. And when uh, we started moving out, and whenever I got all the stuff right after I graduated, she'd sometimes constantly bring that up. She'd sometimes constantly become petty about it. And of course, other other uh, 
women got in, involved with that uh, as far as, you know, trying to figure out what's the status of my relationship. And I said, no, that's not really your concern. And, you know, she called women that and started just getting petty, started getting to the point where uh, I get the silent treatment or I'd have to pull back from her as well. It got so bad to the point where I found out that she confided in one of her ex-boyfriends. Whenever I found out about that, I could not really see her the same way afterwards. And she was talking about, oh, you couldn't drop your ex. You couldn't let it go. And I said, you couldn't either. And criticism and point and pointed right back and I let it be known. It caused a little bit of a narc injury. So when I found out that she was gone for that week going up there to go see him, uh, it, it was bad. And so uh, it kind of, it, it was kind of weird. We ended up having an on and off thing. And whenever I was off, uh, I did the mistake of confiding in another woman because I was not fully healed. I was not fully aware of what I was dealing with. And so once I confided in that woman, uh, I kind of pulled back because I'm like, this is not what I need. This is not what I want. And so once I pulled back, sure enough, went back to my ex narc Whenever I went back to my ex narc it was around go the second year going to the third year. I was still having the job, still had the dream car, everything was still going smoothly. And so when uh, the end of end of 2020, even, at, even during COVID, when everything was slowly starting to open back up, uh, I ended up proposing to her. <laughs> and so because she kept insinuating that, you know, time's of the essence, but let, but let it be known, she's only a couple years younger than me. I'm still in my mid-20s. Uh, and she was just getting into her uh, 20. She was going to 20, 21 at that time. And so whenever I proposed to her, everybody was excited. Everybody was getting together because they all thought we were a cute couple. But of course, they didn't know the, the backstory about it. And so afterwards, my parents weren't really too thrilled about that, mainly because of the red flags that they saw, but I was too blind to see at the time. Whenever uh, I was slowly kind of get everything together, I found out that uh, she did something pretty bad during the springtime, and she made a journey. <laughs> uh, she made a journey up to Houston at one point. Uh, there's there's this uh, trending video a couple of months ago. It was about the All Star Game in Atlanta, and there was a video about how the toxic relationship, how this girl was so adamant of going to the All Star Game in Atlanta and making up certain excuses just to go see and just to try to figure out what's going on. And so uh, around that time, going into the new year of 2021, uh, my car ended up getting hit uh, in the parking lot. And this is this is really the craziest story of how it goes. When it got hit into a parking lot, uh, it it just kind of changed everything at that point. It changed to the point where the woman that I confided in her beforehand, she popped back up and she tried to blackmail me and she tried to uh, extort money from me based on the fact that uh, I pretty much, you know, pay her this amount much or she's going to tell my ex-narc everything. Oh my so God. I was, yeah, I was in a, a crazy bind. But called the cops and they actually dug up her track record and apparently she's done this before with a bunch of other people, including married men. So when uh, that was said and done, of course, the engagement was almost off. But she still wanted to keep the ring. She was adamant about keeping that ring. Oh my god! <laughs> and, and there's another part with that one. <laughs> uh, when, but back to when my car got hit. When my car got hit in the parking lot, suddenly the tide just changed. She started becoming very distant. She started becoming very cold towards me. She started going ghost, and my discernment kicked in automatically. Uh, but, but of course, those that don't know what discernment is, your inner spirit, your inner self, uh, your gut your gut instincts. And so I sent her a text going, you know, is something wrong? And she was trying to figure out what was going on. I'm like, what you mean? All of a sudden I just felt that, you know, that emotional connection just went bam, like that. And it didn't matter how oblivious it was. It was just, you knew. And when you knew, then everything slowly started showing their true colors. When uh, she started kind of gaslighting the situation, then I tried to talk to uh, some of her family members about it, who I was most close with. She got mad. And and that right then and there, I already knew something was coming up. So 
come around early February, around February 9th, she all of a sudden was talking about she wants to go to Houston. Nope, for a fact that it was coming into Valentine's Day weekend. I already have something planned for it. And like, so these are actually key points where narcissists hate holidays because they ruin your day when it comes down to holidays. Yes, they do. And so coming this Valentine's Day weekend, she was adamant so much about going to uh, Houston and I didn't like it. I let it be known that I don't trust her going up there. She got mad at that. And then all of a sudden she started uh, distancing me. Then all of a sudden she started saying some really foul stuff regarding uh, the time where I thought, you know, I thought that the baby was mine. She was pregnant last year going in mid-2020. Unfortunately, lost it. But even so, it I thought it was mine. But that's that goes later on, too. So when uh, when she started saying stuff like that and she started getting mad at the fact that she thought that that I thought I was better than her and her family about everything. And so note that projection is a rigged confession that you feel that I'm so much better than you about what I do to the point where you can't hang. So now it comes a deflection. It comes to the point to where uh, they're trying to discredit you whenever uh, you have some type of accomplishment or you have some type of goals that you made, but they can't make. And so she started saying stuff like that. And it drove me to the point where I once went supernova. During my lunch break, I went over to her job, big mistake, and confronted her about it. Nothing was bad or anything. And so I said, okay, well, if you're saying that type of stuff, then give me the ring back. She didn't want to give it up. We got into it to the point where uh, she basically wanted to fight me. And I'm talking like fisticuffs, like get like hands up, fisticuffs, boxing and everything. And I thought to myself, what am I doing trying to fight a girl over a ring? And at that point, I was like, you know what? I'm out. Sooner or later, she sends me a text calling, come back. And and me being, you know, somewhat trauma bonded in the situation, didn't really have control of my emotions. She was talking about lesbian friends. At that point, my guy instincts kicked in. I already knew what that was. So I said, Nah. So I said, nah, that that's that's not gonna work. And she and of course she still went anyway, going up to Houston. So I said, okay, this is when I planned my final discard. She tried to call me back late uh Sunday during that Valentine's Day, literally Valentine's Day at that time, trying to reconcile uh reconcile, kind of get everything together. Say, oh yeah, I'm this, then the other, you know, I'm this, I'm this, I'm sorry, I'm this, and and I didn't buy it. So what I did, because she's not the type that's gonna let go. No narcissist will never let that supply go. So uh, she, I, I noticed she was going, going off the screen and off the screen when she was FaceTiming. And so I said, uh, and she was like, well, I'll I'll give you one more chance, even though you you heard me. I said, okay, no accountability, and I tell and I told her this. No accountability. Since you do not understand as far as what you've done, maybe you're right. Maybe we should be friends. She called me real quick and said, first of all, you're my man and you're not going anywhere. So I was like, okay. I knew exactly where this is going to go. And she now understands the fact that I can still leave her regardless of how I feel. And at the point, I was already done. So what I did, I decided to schedule an act. Yes, I, I did a few skits uh, growing up as far as an actor, so I knew how to kind of put on an act while she was thinking of getting everything together. But what I didn't know is that her mom was one as well. And now I knew where she got it from. When her mom decided to post her and the new guy that was uh, that was with her at Houston, in Houston on her story, everything made sense. So at that point, they were caught in the lot. So I may, I didn't make a post regarding to them because somebody else literally followed and unfollowed me on Snapchat. And so once that was kind of brought to light, they started to panic. They were talking about as far as I was being petty. They were talking about as far as I just got to stop doing this. I said, okay, well, you can be whoever you want to end up sleeping around with or you can go back and spend the night. I said, okay, so you're going down that route. But what she didn't know is that I knew the guy, that, the, the mother, but the mother didn't know that I knew the guy that she was messing with while she was also legally married to uh, her, her, the father of my ex-narc. So I said, okay, this is going to be fine. And so the funny thing is the, the new guy of the mother actually reached out to me asking like, man, 
do you know anything about this? And so I told it all. I told him the truth about everything. And, you know, we still keep it a secret. And once we, uh, once we finished discussing about everything, I went back to my final discard moment. Uh, the first time go around, I brought a jacket that she basically bought for me in order to kind of, you know, get me in there. So I would go by the house. I, and I decided to say, okay, you know what? I'm going to give this back. Of course, she didn't want it back. She was trying to reflect things. She kind of raged out a little bit because her plans were kind of getting ruined as far as trying to get this new guy involved. And so uh, I, at that point, I already knew what was going on. So I just wanted her to tell me I wanted clarity from her, which that wasn't going to happen. You will never get closure from that. Note that uh, note to these people out here, of course, that are watching, narcissists will never give you closure. Never. And so when uh, whenever I ended up going in there, we started ended up talking about it. And all of a sudden, key red flags hit uh, as far as her, the way that the mother was coaching her saying that never forget you are the prize you got this that and the other and so what do you do if he gets his stuff together oh i think i'm gonna take him back is what she said note for the fact that they were in a dysfunctional home as of already so there was no possible way of really clearing up of what was going down so at that point i already knew they weren't really being serious and they were somewhat delusional as far as what they thought they had whenever uh it was all said and done she finally gave me the ring back and so she thought she was celebrating. She thought she was happy over everything. And I said, okay, this is perfect. And so this is during that Friday. So come Sunday, and this is when I knew she was still targeting me as far as trying to hurt me. She posted on her Snapchat of the new guy rubbing her leg. That was all I needed. And so I got all the stuff that I had in the closet, folded up neatly, and put it in a box. Went right back to the house. Now, of course, uh, I was still familiar with everything there, so they let me in. I, well, I knocked on the door, and I was able to open up the door as well. And knocked on her bedroom door. There where they were, laying together. So she thought it was slick to try to record me as far as my reaction, and she was asking what I was doing up in her room. I said, oh, I just came to get the stuff back. So I dropped the stuff off at the foot of her bed, and I told the new guy, hey, I don't know you from Adam, bro, but take care of her. And funny thing was, I dapped the dude up before I said that. And once I said that and I was about to leave, I hear him say, you know, you know fake ass suit. And what made me laugh at that is that, yeah, he's already whipped. And what, what most people had to understand is that the way a man kind of sees things also depends on the value. And so my, as far as my car, I drive a black Mustang GT, 2019 premium. The guy that rolled up had a mini cooper <laughs> mm -hmm. and the reason why i say that is because a car defines your value as far as what you do for a living mm -hmm. you got to start up somewhere and i started you know from a corolla to a mustang because now my job is a whole lot better and so now you get the things that you want and when i saw that and i was thinking to myself yeah that uh it, and it's not the fact of it being the downgrade it's the fact that she went back to her old values uh, of course, they'll say, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, she downgraded. She did this and that and the other. No, she just went back to her values. She couldn't hang. And, and that's really what it was. She couldn't hang. And so once I dropped the box off and I went back into my rental car at the time, I was about to I pulled out of the driveway. And all of a sudden, she opens up the door so quick. She chases after my car while it was still moving. Oh, my God. <laughs> and she tried to open up the door. Trying to, and I locked the door real quick and I sped on. And the most memorable picture, and I still remember this in my head to this day. There's two things I remember about that. Seeing her in bed with another guy, pretty much like right off the bat. And her dropping the stuff after when I took off. I'm talking like dropping it in the middle of the street. She called me 12 times from Snapchat and my other phone. And so it persisted on to the point where her mom even called me. And so I sent the final text message saying that, uh, yeah, please don't contact me anymore. You, you or your mom, you made your decision. Thank you for showing me that you're not special. I forgive you and good luck. And so I left it at that. And so mother ended up, um, you know, contacting the authorities and it got so, yeah, 
it ba- <laughs> oh, <laughs> mainly because uh, it was a false accusation of breaking and entering. Oh and, my God. and they tried to press charges. And so once that happened. Of course they did. Uh, yeah, and so, of course, the detective called me and I asked, you know, who made the call? And once he said the mother's name, I said, okay, I already know where this is going. So I went there, brought my attorney with me, pled my case. And he basically said, you know, just stay away from them and they need to do the same with you. We left it at that. And so I pursued on doing my 21-day challenge uh, during the midst of that. And that's what kind of woke me up as far as what I knew. Because in the middle of that final discard, I said, okay, I need to work on myself. I need to build myself at least to a good point where I can get better control of my emotions. Once I did that, it started progressing and it started working. And that's really when everything took off. And this is before I did TikTok. I posted my 21 day challenge on Facebook. I had a lot of guys and a lot of uh, women reaching out to me as far as what do I did to uh, better myself. And I said, just to be just being me, just start working out, getting yourself back together mentally, physically, and spiritually. Um, I definitely had to pray a lot when it came down to uh, figuring out, you know, what I needed to do. You know, I said, like, help me focus on my career, help me focus on what I need. And God brought it right back to me. And I, and I think of that every day. And so afterwards, when a month, about a month has passed, and it was three days before my birthday. And so I was getting my haircut uh, going that and I, and I remember this so much. Uh, I had a friend of mine who at the time was living in, in Kentucky and we communicated here and there and we were kind of fitness partners. We kind of, you know, motivated each other to do workouts. And so I posted her for her birthday and whenever uh, the flying monkeys ended up seeing that, it went right back to her. Wait, wait, wait. Explain to everyone what a flying monkey is real quick. Oh, <laughs> see, a flying monkey is one of the companions. Could It, be, it can be friends, family of the narcissist that uh, will definitely keep tabs on you and relay back to them. In this case, flying monkeys could even be your own family member if you're not careful when it comes down to it. And they don't even know if that they're flying monkeys. And so uh, somebody... Uh, and and I still don't know. Somebody must have uh, screenshotted. Uh, they were screenshotting everything actually that I was posting, and sent it to her to try to combat against what I am. And this is what we call the smear campaign. Mm-hmm. Try to discredit as far as what I say. Trying to discredit as far as what I've done, and blow it up out of proportion. And so that's what she ended up doing. And how I knew that was because my older brother, who is still friends with her on Facebook ended up relaying the message to me. And this is when I was at a Pelicans game. And so once I went there, I said, okay, that's not a problem. This is what I expected. And, and by that time, I was already in day day 15 of my 21-day process. So I was already in a better state than when I was beforehand. And so whenever uh, the flying monkeys ended up seeing that picture of one of my other female friends during that day, uh, come, uh, it was 3.30 in the afternoon when I was getting my hair cut for my birthday uh, photo shoots. I get a call from my mom and she tells me that she ended up filing a whole restraining order on me. Why? What did, what, why? <laughs> well, there's a saying that uh, hell has no fury than a woman's scorn. True. And when it comes down to uh, a narcissistic female, Multiply that times 10. I can only imagine what a female narc is like. Oof. You don't even want those as a friend because what they mostly end up doing is that they're more crafty and, okay. and more uh, savage than than anybody when it comes down to uh, relationships, when it comes down to the, the, the judicial system, when it comes down to friendships. They know how to use certain tactics in order to get what they want. And when they don't want and then when they don't get what they want, they can easily play the victim. And this is why uh, bringing awareness when it comes down to domestic violence is not always on the man. But the way the system looks at it like that is never in our favor. And so when when it comes down to the, the man trying to break away from uh, a narcissistic female, it's a lot more difficult because they can go and cry uncle to somebody and have somebody come after them. 
whether it's the man, sometimes whenever they, they do that, they have to show evidence. They have to do this and they have to do that. They have to go through a big time process in order to clarify that this person is not right. So this person is doing what we pretty much are claiming that they're doing. And so that was very difficult. When, uh, that's when uh, a lot of good men, uh, especially the ones that have something over for themselves, fall under prey to that really quickly and are put in jail literally as of right now because of one small mistake that they have made. And so when uh when it comes down to a female narc, like I said, hell I have no fear than a woman scorn. Uh, that's when everything kind of just blew out of proportion. Oh, uh, it 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 came down to the point where uh I read the story and she basically made claims as far as that I assaulted her at her job, which is not true. She made claims as far as that I uh, once again I broke in and entered the house, which that case was already closed. And she was claiming that I was going to third parties and you know, talking to everybody about it, which again was not true. And so once I kind of figured it out, I'm like, this girl is not only trying to stretch out the story so I can make it so I can make it look bad, but she's also projecting some of the stuff that she has done onto there. So that way it can make, mm. make it look bad. Yeah, because they they mirror and they try pretty much they tell on themselves. Mm -hmm. And so at that point, I said, okay, that's fine. And of course, we decided to go on that court date. And and court was a very interesting thing. Wait, so you saw her in court then? Yes. What? And that kind of broke my no contact streak. Oh, that's horrible. But thanks to my attorney. My attorney is a bulldog. And I, and I love her to death because of what she has done. She was able to kind of get me centered and kind of get myself a lot more uh, understanding as far as what can end up happening with this. And so once we went to court, uh, and this is a funny story. Uh, you cannot make this up. I already made it over there. I already made it over there firsthand. We already sat in the room. Uh, my attorney was already at the front. And usually when you have your attorneys, you go first. So I didn't see her. Nobody saw her. Sure enough. I felt eyes like glaring in the back of the head. You know, sometimes you felt the heat vision coming around. Yep. <laughs> so, and so they had the system where they call your name. When they call your name, it goes up. Her name came first because her hers started uh, with the alphabet before mine. And so uh, when they called her name and she said present, I heard it from behind me. She was sitting directly behind me. That's so weird. And so I'm thinking to myself, this girl is nuts. Is, is she did she file the restraining order yet she's sitting directly behind me and and of course you know you still had to stay away from each other because you had the one side and they had the other side so you had two rows of, of pews uh for their sentence and that way you can kind of keep a great distance from each other and she couldn't do that <laughs> nope and what made it funny is once we started uh moving right over closer to the uh to the stands uh we both almost walked close to each other right there and so I'm just thinking to myself you are doing this because why and but I figured it out she didn't think I would go this far because what I found out through uh another person that she actually tried to uh dismiss it herself because you you can easily you know take back her training but unfortunately she tried doing it the week before court date happened and she had to pay a hefty fine for that in order to do so. Okay, so she so she pretty much did it as a scare tactic, like to show you that she still had control over you. And when you went through with it and showed up in court, she's like, oh, hell. <laughs> like She didn't expect it. And so um, what the plan was that uh, one of my good friends, who was a great friend of my mom, uh, she was able to kind of get the information towards us, and she said that the mother also kind of orchestrated this as well. She basically said that uh, the best, yeah, uh, she can pay my 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 friend of my mom's. Uh, she said that she can pay it off, but the mother ended up saying that I have to apologize as far as that. And I said, apologize for what? Oh, for breaking and entering the house. I'm like, are you kidding me right now? That's what this is about. And I thought to myself, this is not even a fact about breaking and entering. It's a fact that you got caught. 
And now you're trying to bully me to say I'm sorry so that we can have that type of control over me and then re-threaten me with that same restraining order. That's what they ended up doing to try to get you back. And they will use those type of threats, men or male or female, they will use those type of threats against you just to withhold your emotions. But unfortunately, since I didn't bite, they were kind of taken back by it. And so, like you said, uh, when they they were like, oh, hell, they didn't realize that with my attorney, we both can play detective really good. So what we did is that uh, at her job, which I used to visit very often, she worked at uh, the sheriff's department at one point. And so uh, the people over there already knew who I was. And so we had to bring them uh, to court. We had to call the detective that they recently called as far as for the first issue to court. And at that point, it was a war of words. The only difference was I actually had some some actually good evidence as far as what had happened because my brother texted me as far as what has happened. Uh, the some of the videos that I, of course, made from the 21 day challenge as far as that. And I also had other messages as far as the flying monkeys that were kind of I were kind of dropping and, and pointing out. And so once that was there, everything put together, I was good. So, of course, she took the stand because she was the one that made the uh, the father restraining order. So I listened to stuff that she said and. I, I was just waiting for my attorney to fry and she did. She threw out everything that she could in order to try to bring it down. And my attorney fired back with a couple questions such as this. Has there any been signs of breaking and entering? Has he ever been an immediate threat to your family? And she honestly had, she honestly had to say no. She couldn't find any type of evidence when it came down to it. So that was one down. And then the other, the other problem, the mother came in there. She couldn't even get her story straight. She couldn't get her story straight at all. My attorney couldn't follow. And even the uh, hearing officer who was take, who was at the bench uh, couldn't really follow through with the story either. The mother kind of got mad and started making snarker remarks to my attorney. And my attorney had to kind of come to center for that one because I said, okay, now, now we know the game. And so I was raising an eyebrow and I said, this is interesting now. And so when uh, it was my turn to, of course, plead my statement, my attorney and I, we followed through with everything. And of course, there comes the questions as far as bringing the uh, bringing the witnesses and the people that I also had to, to the stands. I had the two detectives that came up there, gave the statement, and that was pretty much it. And so she tried to ask questions as far as what had happened. And the funny thing was, <laughs> what she didn't know is that the I could have gotten the people at the records where I had to go get my uh, my file from from the first time. Uh, even the people at the records were laughing because it was so ridiculous. They the, the way the story was written, the way the story was typed up by her, it didn't make sense. And so they automatically knew that, yeah, I did the right thing. I didn't even, they say kudos to me because of what I did. They couldn't handle it any better than what I did. And so I could have got them as far as that. And they honestly have that same type of experience, which is crazy. I had this one woman that was up there saying that, yeah, my, my ex-husband was one, or is one. And so it's a, it's a small world, and there's only a, a few amount of us, but we have to go through these people in order to, to deal what we have to do. And so when the detectives brought up and she tried to uh, make those type of statements, obviously she brought my, my friend that was my mom's involved in that because she was that kind of that last link between everybody. And so once they tried to bring that, I said, oh, so you're trying to bring her down, too. So when uh, when it was all said and done, they came down to me. Uh, I answered the questions that my attorney pretty much gave me. And she tried to make it seem that I was being uh, desperate for it. She asked these type of questions as far as um, how long were you standing up at, uh, at my bedroom door? I said, not that long. I literally just went there, knocked on the door, and I left. And she was asking, well, what, what happened afterwards whenever you dropped the stuff off? I left in my car and you pursued me. And she said, no, that's not. And I said, you pretty much got caught right there. <laughs> and so I, I made it. I kept it short and sweet. I wasn't going to get in no debate with her because that's what she wanted. She wanted the energy out of me because at that point I was on the defensive. If that energy was brought out of me in court, that would confirm everything that they pretty much have said. Yep. And so when... um. 
when and then the last one is that did you not claim that you were a narcissist and you needed help i said no what the reason why i and the funny thing is i actually talked about that for my first day on the uh 21 day challenge i said thank the narcissist because they're the type that you're nitpicky and everything and that and that's what my attorney asked me as far as my 21 day challenge as far as that saying that and i said no i made a video uh talking about narcissists but i never called myself one and she had the evidence right there as far as the videos uh and so that backed up everything whenever uh whenever it came down to it, she said no more questions and so <laughs> The last, as far as the last, because we have three ways we can have beaten this. Uh, the clerk of court keeps record of everything. We could have used the fact that she attempted to try to dismiss the restraining order a week before court date, and that would have gotten me dismissed. Yeah. We could have gone through with the evidence and everything, and I would have still came out on top. Or the the judge herself would have literally dismissed the case because it made no sense. And this was literally just a game and a waste of time. And she actually had some serious case to uh, go for. And so the only reason why she extended it was because two law enforcement officers got involved. And kind of by state law and how the judicial system works up here, you kind of have to go through with that in order to do something. But as, a, as what we did, and it was so beautiful at this point, we made it reciprocal. She couldn't do anything either. What does that mean? What do you mean? We basically threw a restraining order back at her. So whatever she tries to do to provoke me will be documented as an attempt to try to get me to break it. And therefore, that can also be either dismissed or we can overturn it against her. Mm-hmm. And so once that happened, everything was actually set to the playing field. And the hearing officer let her know she did this, she did this number, and you cannot do anything to provoke him to break this restraining order and kind of give that stern look. And so at that point, everything was done. I got my papers. And the minute I got my papers and I was about to leave right through the middle of court, she tries to get her papers and slowly try to trail me out. I'm like, you still trying. What? That's where time has passed. And of course, here comes the whole new supply, uh, you know, dropping all over social media, trying to prove how happy she is, et cetera, et cetera. All in an attempt to give me to break no contact, break the restraining order so I can get in trouble. And what made it even more funny was uh, she made a fake profile on Facebook attaching the dude's last name on there. And I was just like, really? When would you say that you realized she was a narcissist? During the 21 day challenge, when I figured it out, uh, thanks to a YouTube content creator called Narc Survivor, brought me that opened my eyes completely. And now that helped me understand as far as what I was going through. And once uh, all that was put into place, I said, okay, I'm gonna study more on that. I wanna figure out not only, you know, what I have to do to better myself as a person, but to figure out what these other people, uh, could be dealing with and what promotes domestic violence. What most people don't understand is that narcissistic abuse promotes domestic violence. That's when everything goes into uh, into a complete circle because of what happens. The narcissist, male or female, will it, it's almost like it's almost like a, a slave owner. It, it conditions you to confide in them to be only for them to you know pretty much say that it doesn't matter what you end up doing you're still going to be mine you've basically been branded and that's where that's where a lot of men and women get uh get caught in the trap when it, especially when it comes down to children marriage uh and, and and most definitely when it comes down to certain uh aspects as far as the system because uh because of the fact that when it comes down to domestic violence, the women can initiate the fight, but can still play the victim as well. And then as far as the men, the man can easily, <laughs> you already know how the, you already know that goes when it comes into it. As far as uh, physically and trying to mentally abuse, abuse people to the point where you can easily just come back home, but yet everything is still sunshines and rainbows. Mm-hmm. 
And so either way, when it comes down to it, they're great at disguising how they do it. But once you expose them, it, it crumbles. And so when uh, two months hit uh, after the after the court and everything, my friend ended up texting me uh, saying, like, well, uh, looks like I won. I asked him what I was talking about. And he said, uh, the, they broke up. I'm like, okay, what, what's that got to do with me? <laughs> and so, but basically, she tried to make those attempts to make me jealous and make me reach out, make me break no contact. It was all a Hoover tactic. It was all just uh, pretty much future faking from a third person's perspective. And it was an attempt at triangulation as well. It, it was all of that in one in the span of two months. And and of course, my, my best friend, who's who is a cousin, uh, he knows how I am. He knew he knows exactly the type of person that I am. And I just pulled back and I did everything. And but the funny thing is, he told me that uh, yeah, she was pregnant again. Wow. And and yeah, but I dated it back and there was no way that it was me. But she constantly kept telling everybody that it was mine and she was going to try to withhold it from me to get an abortion, just, just to do other type of stuff, just to hurt me to, or make, or basically have a vindictive mentality. And how I found out about that was a mm -hmm. uh, person ended up calling me and believe it or not, this is, these are all Hoover by proxies, but it's not from them. It is just for the fact that it also trying to get me to break out, uh, break out of no contact. But it wasn't on them to do so. But they were actually, you know, concerned for my well-being as far as what had happened. And but I told them straight up, "Oh, I already knew, and I know it's not mine because I dated it back. I didn't mess with her the beginning of this year. And so the once that once that was pretty much clear, she had nothing against me. She had nothing. And so, uh, like unfortunately, she, it seems like she did any and everything to like just make your life hell. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. She tried. She tried. Grace of God and with the right people. Oh, you cannot, you can only say that I was blessed and highly favored to be out of that situation. Most people don't know how to get out of that. But isn't it crazy that you can go being in a relationship with someone for like a year, year and a half, and then all the red flags just suddenly all of a sudden start like when things, don't go, when things don't go in their favor, it's like all hell breaks loose. And it's just like one thing after the next, after the next. And it's like, where did all of this come from? I didn't see it at the beginning. Well, the crazy thing about it is the red flags were always there. But what us, red flags did you overlook? Oh, I overlooked the pettiness. I overlooked certain snarky comments uh, that were directed towards me because of how she said it. And I definitely overlooked the attitude. I definitely overlooked the fact that she was very combative. She always wanted to start up something, whether it was me with somebody else. Uh, and I definitely overlooked the fact that she had uh, a lot of guy friends, but didn't want me to have not one uh, female friend. Of course. And so I, I definitely overlooked it because, like I said, I stayed to myself. And I usually tried to uh, pull back from that. But uh, as time moved on, found out literally from experience uh, and witnessing it, that this is a very dysfunctional household because I've been to her, her place a few times and witnessed it. And so the way that not only she treats people, but the mother treats them. And so they come, they go back and forth with each other. So at that point, it's nothing but constant gaslighting, constant bickering, constant arguing, constant deflection, trying to include somebody else into that so they can try to have it on their side. And then to top it all off when it comes down to it, they will leave for a couple of days and not even come back. And what sucks is like, she probably doesn't even think that there's anything wrong because that's, that's how, that's how she was conditioned with her mom and her environment. And it's almost like, it's like they're walking, they're walking destruction. And, but they don't even notice that they are. They're like a walking hurricane. They're causing destruction all over the place, but they have no idea what they're doing. And that's really what happens with narcissists is a lot of them are not aware of what they're doing. And if they are, they don't care. They lack empathy. They don't, they don't lack any empathy. <laughs> they can fake it big time. That's the worst ones too. Uh, cope, there's multiple times, multiple types of uh, narcissists. There's covert, overt, uh, grandiose, 
and oof, there, there's definitely that one that that I forgot the, the term with that one, but there's that one that does not care at all when it comes down to it. Covert is the most dangerous one, and that's what most uh, females, female nurses are. Uh, some of them know how to hide it really good. The mother has had practice, but unfortunately, even with practice, you still fail at things. They're really good at manipulation. Mm -hmm. And she manipulated the guy that I was able to to tell uh, and get him to break out of it really quickly, uh, all to the point where he was going crazy. And once we literally sat down, we had this man-to-man -man talk about everything. I opened his eyes about everything. As far as what was shown and as far as what was told me, I found a lot of stuff. And I found a lot of stuff about my ex-narc as well in the aftermath. And the aftermath is really where you will get disgusted, not only with yourself, but with that person. And you're asking yourself, how, how did I even get involved with this? What I found out, it was very shocking. Um, I found out, of course, when the first child was not mine, um, that, that, of course, being miscarriage. Uh, when I, the way I found out was just bad. My church member saw her with another guy, and it wasn't the ex. It was another guy that was kind of getting involved with, with whenever we have a little on and off spats. And I timed it, and I said, there, there's no way. More than likely, that is not mine. And so everything kind of started making sense. And so when, um, whenever I found out about that, I said, I, I feel so disgusted. So now I tracked back out of all the guy friends that she's basically had. Oh, you, you could not believe how oof, I, I was. Now that's traumatizing right there. Forget the trauma bond. That was traumatizing because a lot of stuff could have happened that, uh, that I couldn't even been aware of. And it's the same thing when it comes down to the opposite sex as well as men. And so they, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. I'm just thinking. <laughs> <laughs> and so once, once that came, once that came to flourish, uh, I didn't say anything. Uh, but I did tell my closest friends as far as what had happened with that. And they were shocked. And of course, one of the closest friends was uh, her cousin as well. Uh, who's actually, who's technically my sister because that's my best friend's sister. And so once I told her, uh, she was actually more surprised because she only got half the story. But when she got that full side of the story, she couldn't even roll with her anymore. And so she made a post, last last ditch effort with the smear campaign, stating that, oh, now, now I'm keeping tabs on her. Uh, now that I turned her her own family against her, and she said she's glad that she left me, et cetera. And I said, whatever. <laughs> because this was after court? Yes, all after court. She's still going. Yep. And so uh, so once that ended up happening, I said, Yeah, that's pretty much it. That's over and done with. And so uh, of course she moved because most narcissists actually do move. They try to run away from their problems, but as, as I judge by how the math was, uh, you also got to judge by the little things they do that they become obsessed with. They can, they can become obsessed with money. They can be obsessed with spending. They can be obsessed with sex. They can be obsessed with their looks. They can be obsessed with uh, people, people Actually, in general. All of those. Mm -hmm. The typical narcissist is obsessed with money, with status, with how they dress, with cars that they don't even own. Um, they become obsessed with a lot of materialistic things. Yep. And that's when it all kind of came to fruition once my Mustang got hit. Once I lost that, it was starting to kind of dwindle, but the true color started to show. And the, the outfits that she was wearing that she was slowly starting to transition herself into. And what, what you basically see is what a lot of uh, women are now presenting themselves on Instagram trying to be an Instagram model, trying to be an influencer, trying to get all these likes and followers just for the attention and validation. But here's the thing, when it's all said and done and people actually know your real life story, none of that even matters because you can easily have 10,000 followers, 20,000 followers, and still live in an apartment paying this much a month. And that's really the illusion that most narcissists actually create about themselves. 
they will actually have a lot of people following them, yet they're actually struggling in real life. I, I know how that feels. My, my narc ex um, would make fun of my friend who has a convertible, but it wasn't a convertible that was up to his standards. However, he drove like, I don't know, I'm just going to pull a name out like a Toyota Corolla with the paint coming off and the wheels fall like literally the headlights were broken. There's like half paint. And it's like, like when you really think about it after the fact and you're just like, they have all these grandiose ideas of what life should look like. But when you look at their life, it's a hot mess. And where he lived was a hot mess. But yep to the outside world, it was like, oh, you know, I'm spending $100 on this shirt and $500 on this. And, you know, I'm going to go do this and it's lavish. And it's like, but do you see where you live and what you drive, dude? Like, and, and that's, that's kind of my story is that I was always getting the pink, the finger pointed at me of like, you could do better, but it's like, but I am better than you in a sense. Like, just what I do with my personal life or my business and just anything. I was so way above him, but it was like everything that I did wasn't good enough. And I'm like, but I'm already better than you. Like, it's just a, it's a, it's a mind F to be with a narcissist because they will gaslight you and gaslight you and gaslight you. And you start to almost lose it. You do lose yourself in the process. Walk me through like a little bit of your healing journey. Um, Cause I know like, I thank God I did not have a Hoover. Like the only Hoover I had was he sent me an email and then I learned how to block him on email, but thankfully we were long distance. So I've never had to see him again. I've never, I've, he's been blocked from everything. Um, everyone that was a flying monkey got deleted and blocked. I constantly block fake pages. But other than that, I live in this great bubble of you're just not going to get in kind of thing. Um, you had a very different experience. You had to go to court, you got hoovered, you had flying monkeys, you had all sorts of things flying at you. How did you um, go through your healing journey? And how are you doing today? Oh, the but for, for all those, like I said, men and women, I definitely recommend the 21-day challenge. The 21-day challenge is a self-healing process that you can do anything yourself. My thing is I did the hobbies that define me. I did everything that I was supposed to be doing from the get-go. I lost my purpose. And that's, the per that's literally the idea of the 21-day challenge is finding your purpose again understand the meaning of life within you because the meaning of life doesn't mean anything with anybody else it comes from within and so i found my own happiness i was slowly starting to develop uh the fitness routine was intense i i went to the gym almost twice a day uh twice a day definitely about three times a week in order to get myself in tip-top shape i put basically my heart and soul as part of playing basketball as far as realizing that, hey, I'm better than this. I've done this beforehand, but that I, before I met her, I've still got everything. I've, I'm me. And there's not, there's multiple things that you have to realize is that that person cannot take away. They can't take away your integrity. Mm -hmm. They can't take away your dignity. And they can't take away your self-respect. And that's what I had to realize because uh, I'm in one of the most prestigious fraternities uh, out there in Alpha Phi Alpha. That's one. She can't take that away from me. I graduated from college going on my own and doing everything that I know how to. She cannot take that away from me. Uh, I developed, I put the time and effort to not only build up to where I'm at as of right now, as far as graphic design, but I also uh, developed my craft in basketball as far as speaking, as far as uh, doing what I've done to help influence others. She can't take that away from me. All that was within. It was just suppressed because of I was so concerned about how she felt. And that's the idea. And what most people don't need to understand is regardless if you're in a relationship or friendship or even with a family member, uh, you can't make them happy. Not, nobody in this world can never make you happy and you can't make nobody in this world happy. That's what most people have to understand. Only you can make yourself happy. And if their happiness has uh, an addition to yours, then that's different. That works well because that you can mold your happiness together. And so once um, 
I realized that I started building my brand once again. And that's what made me uh, create another uh, group of, of people that wanted to start their own business as far as getting a logo done, getting everything done. And once I started that, they created their own empire. And that honestly satisfied me to the point where, yeah, I've not lost a step. My craft is back. Uh, I'm developing there. I've never lost it. Uh, and now it, it's even better than what it was because now I realize that I've done this on my own before. This should not be an issue of me doing it again. And once I, I realized, hmm? no, go ahead. And I want, and once I realized that it, it just changed my outlook on life, and that helped out a lot. I had seen a meme. I think it was today that if you're with someone and you break up, and you automatically. Um, start succeeding like you just have so much going for you you start doing all these things like life is going great for you you usually know that the other person was the problem and it's the same for me i i broke up with my narc ex i think february-ish or march it's been about eight to nine months of no contact completely mm -hmm. And I mean, you can see the transition of like where I was last year to like where I'm at now. I got a book. We did we did a, a music video. We were having the podcast like it's a, a billboard. Like there's just so much that happened immediately after I took this toxic person out of my life. And I think I even posted about that today. Um, I posted a side by side picture of me when I was in the narcissistic abusive relationship to where I am now. And I was 14 pounds skinnier. Like I was almost skin and bones. I was mm. so tiny because I was so depressed. And then you see the photo of me today. I'm nice, I'm thick, I'm glowing, I'm happy. Like, it's just, it's awesome when you get to the point where you truly can walk away from something as severe as narc abuse. Um, I know we, we got to wrap up soon, but kind of walk us through your TikTok journey and how all that happened for you. Oh, the TikTok journey when um, <laughs> I, 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 I sum it up really shortly. It all started when that career. <laughs> it all started when it was Narcissistic Abuse Awareness Month. And instead of, um, you know, just kind of slowly getting through it, I was like, you know what? I'm going to just go for a day by day going for the lesson. And it started off, I think it was day 11 talking about the narcissist karma that video just blew up uh I, at first you know it was starting off really well then all of a sudden i look back all of a sudden i get 10 10k views i'm like what's going on and then all of a sudden i look there and i look at my uh profile all of a sudden i racked up from you know having you know, 150 followers that to 2,000 followers in about two days. Got people asking questions as far as what had happened. They got people relating to it, men and women, asking asking questions as far as how to deal with their toxic relationships or how to get out of it. I have people DMing me on Instagram uh, asking about it. And it's all to the point where I was just like, golly, I, I know I'm, I know I, I just give, I'm just giving out pointers, but to think that they would end up coming out. So what I did before I could answer any type of questions is what I wanted to research it and I wanted to make sure that I knew what I was talking about before anything. And what I didn't know was that a narcissist a relationship is also a spiritual warfare. It doesn't matter what religion you believe in, it all comes together because- It is. Because you can call it a karmic relationship. You can call it a- uh, basically the devil trying to get into your life and wreak havoc through a person and you can most definitely call it as far as uh i, I guess you say like a toxic entity uh entering entering within you and so and just like how you ended up saying before you was 14 pounds lighter whenever i showed up to my parents house they thought i was on drugs wow and so i can relate to what you were feeling but the tiktok journey showed up and of course with me going <laughs> For me going from the uh the high top cut because that was actually one of the other results as well because i stopped i kind of stopped grooming myself but once i cut my hair i was like yeah this is a whole new me i gotta do better and once i started working out the picture that you kind of see up, up there now as far as me making moves 
that was the result. That was the person that uh, that has come back 10 times stronger and 10 times healthier and so much better and so much for life. And uh, at that point, you just don't want to look back. Wow, I could definitely resonate with what you said about the spiritual part because that's why the trauma bond is so hard to to break because you're connected with them but you're you like for me at least like I was having bad dreams like nightmares with him and I could feel his spirit I could feel his soul and it was negative and dark like demonic I'm gonna be completely honest with you it felt demonic I felt like the devil was in my dream and it felt heavy in here and it, it was crazy because I didn't I didn't realize it while I was in the relationship. But once I released that trauma bond and I was doing the spiritual work to break that tie and that energetic, you know, cord with him, it's like he would come back stronger in my dreams or in my thoughts. And whoo, I had to do a lot of spiritual work to get him out, like to get him out completely. And I still sometimes like it's weird because when we broke up, I would even like feel his presence and I would have to like, there were days where I would get up like angry and I'm just like, like, I would like call it out, like, leave me alone. Like, stop watching me. Stop looking at like where, you know, like, cause I could just feel his negative energy and it is so real. It is real. So grateful to be out of that. So grateful. You're doing an amazing job. I just want to say thank you so much for joining me today on the Janine Hernandez Experience Podcast. You are amazing. You're changing lives. You're helping so many survivors. I'm going to make sure to tag your Instagram and your TikTok on the profile of this podcast. Um, so guys, make sure that you follow him for some great tips and for advice. And he will call you out if you keep asking him the same questions that you already know the answers to. Um, but thank you so much. I truly appreciate you. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Of course. Well, thank you guys. As with anything, make sure that you check out the next episode of the Janine Hernandez Experience podcast. Make sure that you like, subscribe, comment, share with your friends, do all of that amazing stuff. And we'll see you on the next episode. Bye. Buy the book. <laughs> yes. <laughs> hey, thanks for listening to the Janine Hernandez Experience podcast. Make sure you like, follow, and subscribe to our channel, Instagram, and all things social media. We'll see you soon on the next episode.